You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. We've heard a lot about what millennials are doing these days, which is maybe traveling a little bit more, working virtually, having the ability to own a home because they don't necessarily have to live in a high-priced market right now. But on today's show, we're actually going to talk to somebody who's doing just that. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today was working in San Francisco, now is working virtually and checking out the world while buying his first investment properties. So Will, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Cool. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. (laughs) And you are in Florida today uh, because you are working remotely? Yeah, good question. So I've lived in San Francisco for the last about five-ish years. I'm originally from L.A., Um, and I work for a small machine learning startup in the Bay area. Obviously when COVID hit, um, everyone went remote. Um, and me and my partner worked in a small, expensive apartment in San Francisco. And I think like a lot of people, uh, it was a tough transition to be like spending so much time in a, in a small place. We're both on the phone a lot. So we gave up our place. Um, we threw all of our stuff in storage, which is where most of it is. We kind of moved in a little bit with our parents that lasted for a couple of weeks. Um, and I don't think was the original intention, um, but was kind of a holding place. And now we're using this time to really just explore the United States or anywhere with good enough Wi-Fi to really have like conference calls and be in a time zone that relatively aligns with PST, which is what I'm currently on. So yeah, at the moment we're in Florida, Palm Beach, we basically picked the sunniest, warmest place we could um, <laughs> and uh, found an Airbnb and, and that's how we ended up here. Well, I've, I have talked to a few people who said they are really happy to be going to places where restaurants are open and, and life is a little bit more normal. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one of the big things for us is, you know, I'm a relatively active person and in California, everything's closed. And by the time you get off work at five, it's dark. So there's not a whole lot to do. Um, so we're not working PST hours in an EST time zone. So every morning until noon, we have uh, something to do. So today I went for a run and then went to the beach, started my day at noon and I finish at eight. So that exploring a new area, but also trying to like recreate the opportunities to like do stuff that I used to do has been really helpful for me from a mental health capacity, as well as just an overall health. Um, but that's been a little bit of a hack that I'm, you know, I thought about it and I was like, oh, this could work really well. And as I kind of talked to other people, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. Some other people from my company have tried the same thing, but um, getting off work and it being dark and not being able to really do anything was, was definitely difficult. And this is kind of how, you know, we've worked around it. Well, it can be really, really hard on your mental health. And I think that, that if there's one thing that, could be a highlight from 2020. It's that people really did get a chance to, to realize there is more to life, you know, than um, spending it all day in an office. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think a couple of things have happened. One is like, A, I have more time. I don't necessarily work less, but I'm, I have more freedom to potentially like do other tasks during the day that I didn't have access to. And I think that's actually Mm -hmm. led me to this conversation today. It's like, hey, what are other things I can do with my time um, that can potentially help me in the future, whether it's 
uh, real estate investment or I learned to play golf during the pandemic and now I'm like super into it. Um, <laughs> well, you're in Florida, I, I so <laughs> plenty of golf yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. So um, that and I think uniquely, you know, I do spend a lot more time with my parents now, which is something I didn't do. We lived in different cities and, um, you know, yeah, you're not seeing maybe uh, your friends so much, but it, it's been like an experience that brings, you know, depending who you are, but an opportunity to spend more time with your family, um, which can be positive and negative. Um, for me, luckily, it's been mostly positive. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, to that point, Rich and I just had our 24th wedding anniversary and there was nice no restaurant drinks. to go to. So we just had a really nice evening looking at, at wedding pictures and um, got this little book on the important questions to ask your partner. And it was, it was really fun. It's like, so you're kind of forced to do things you might not normally do because there's really nothing else to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So now t tell me about what you're doing with real estate, because this is such a great opportunity for people to invest people like you who could say, well, I couldn't buy anything in San Francisco, but since I can live anywhere now you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think I've been um, on a journey that I, potentially is relatable to a lot of people. So I'm in my late 20s and 29. I'm fortunate to have, you know, uh, a, a good job that allows me to be remote. I've saved some money over uh, the last, you know, three to four years. Um, and it was kind of the first time that I had any money in my bank account. So I kind of just let it sit there. It made me be like, hey, I do actually have something. And I think I've now reached the point where it's like, okay, um, it, you can do more with that than just let it be there. And I think there's a lot of conversations and a lot of information that is there. And it's a matter of sorting through the ones that resonate and kind of doing something that you feel comfortable with. Um, and so <laughs> I started reading some books on real estate investing. I have money in the stock market. Uh, like candidly, I, I prefer to do things that I have a bit more control over. And I feel like real estate is one of those opportunities. You really get to be the CEO of your own portfolio. Um, and I'd rather trust myself than another company. And I think that's what really brought me into uh, this idea of like, hey, uh, let's expand um, you know, what I'm doing into real estate. You also have the option to be passive or active, which like right now I started a new job and it's very time intensive. Um, so, you know, I don't, oh, I don't maybe have as much time as I may have in a year from now where then I can be more active. Um, so I think that, uh, it is the journey that I've been, I'm, I'm close to closing on a first property. I'm actually talking to a lot of people, um, two specific, um, companies that were introduced from real wealth. So I'm super excited there. I think a lot of it comes down to creating enough self-confidence that you're making the right decision. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, like all the numbers make sense, right? It's just a matter of like, do I believe I'm making the right thing? And I, I don't think that happens without actually doing. And that's like anything in life, right? I sell a pretty technical product to very smart people. Um, and it takes a lot of time to ramp in that space because you feel undergunned because you know who you're talking to has more information than you. But once you are able to do that, you can be very successful. And I think it's a similar exercise um, that I'm going through here. Um, and, you know, 
real wealth. I've been on bigger pockets as well, which I think actually is what probably led me to you all. Um, has been really a good opportunity to get as much information as possible. And then I think you as yourself essentially parse through it and, and grab the pieces that resonate or make sense. Um, and then you get to a point where you're ready to execute on it, which um, you know, in the next couple of months here is, is probably where I'm at. Well, it's very exciting. You're, you're young. It's a great time to get started, man. I wish I knew about this when I was 28 because uh, you know, think about it. If you follow the plan of buying 10 homes and you can even just buy one once a year, hopefully yeah. more than that, uh, by the time you're my age, you know, you'll, you'll have them paid off and, and they'll be working for you. Yeah, exactly. I love what you said about being the CEO of your own company, because it really is that it's, it's a way to be a CEO of, a, of your own company and treat it that way and have get all the benefits and the write-offs and have people working for you, your property managers, while you still have a full-time job. I mean, how many times can you do that? Have a, a full running business while you have a full-time job. So it's a great way to, to look at that. So yeah, where, are you, totally. where, where, is, where are the first properties you're looking at buying? Yeah, so um, this has been, and I think part of this process was what took a little bit of a while is first I needed to understand what are the things that I care about. Do I care about cash flow only? Do I care about appreciation and cash flow? Um, and originally, like I, you know, based out of LA, my mom uh, in the past was a real estate agent. Uh, I was looking at properties there, and I think. The reality is in the LA market, like you're not finding a cash flow property and you're probably not even finding a break-even property. Right. And so we were looking at, hey, can we do like an FHA loan and find an apartment or a duplex where you live in one of the units? Um, and the reality is like, we spend a lot of time at home now, so you want a good space. And mm -hmm. that's important to me. And you're not finding a nice space that you want to live in in the LA market for, you know, probably under a couple million dollars. And as we started traveling, um, you know, I'd, I'd never traveled through the lens of caring about property. Um, we saw what other markets were like in the United States. And so being down here in Florida, A, we really like it. Um, but I think less important, it's, it's not about us living here, but it's about the opportunity to enter the market at a lower uh, barrier to entry. Um, and then being able to potentially cash flow a property and in a market that in theory, right, will appreciate over time was how I ended at, um, you know, the, the, the long answer to that is uh, West Florida, um, Houston, and then I'm starting to explore Dallas as well. Um, and the idea is like, I wanted to pick a market. I don't need cash now, right? I work a full-time job. I love my job. I want to keep doing it. Um, but maybe in when I'm 50 or when I'm 60, right. I want to go, you know, ski for the rest of my life or, or, <laughs> or do something like that where I'm not working a nine to five and how can I create a scenario for myself now where I can then do that. And I think those are the markets that kind of mitigate a, a ton of risk, but also mm -hmm. provide a lot of upside. If you're not looking for a, a really significant immediate return, which you know, I'm fortunate enough that that's not something that I actually need. You know, I can say this because I'm older, but kids these days are so smart because you have access to so much more information than we had. Um, my nephews are, 
your age and, uh, you know, raging from the 24 to, to 32. And they're, they're just so brilliant. They've got great jobs, but they're living in a van. And, um, and the van can have them stay overnight in Santa Cruz and surf if they want or yeah. go to, to work. And, um, and so as a result, the massive overhead that they're not paying, they're saving and they're, they're, they're investing at, in their 20s. And this is just really not something I don't think we knew about, you know, when I was your age, it was, you know, no, we didn't have podcasts and we didn't have um, anyone yeah. telling us to do that except maybe late, late night TV. So, you know, to, to um, at, at a stage in your life where you can make a tremendous amount of money um, and you don't necessarily have the burdens of life that you might have when you're older, when you have kids and they're you're trying to pay for all their things and college and so forth, um, where this is an amazing opportunity to save and invest in these passive assets that you have to pay some attention to, but they still kind of grow on their own. They're managed by someone else. You're the CEO of it. You're not necessarily supposed to be hands-on. So this business is growing without so much of your time and attention, starting young versus starting when a lot of people start investing really heavily later sure. in life. So it's, it's, a, it's just really cool. I mean, how much would you say that you're saving by not living in San Francisco? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I mean, we were paying probably 3,800 bucks a month in rent for a, a really nice, but a one, it was a loft and it had a one bedroom. Um, and so depending on where we are in a given month, like we're, we're paying less than that. And then if you sprinkle that in with going home for a month, it turns into, you know, just probably at a minimum 2000 bucks just on rent. Right. And then it's not that hard to adjust your lifestyle a bit to be more conservative. And I think yeah. a little bit too, in San Francisco, like the culture was, you know, you worked a lot and uh, you didn't necessarily have a lot of free time and the way you compensated for doing things or a lot of things is your pain. Right. So like I'm not cooking dinner. Um, so I'm probably eating out right? I have a small window to go skiing, right? I'm not taking into consideration that that's the most expensive weekend to go because it didn't matter because that's the only weekend I can go. Right. So I think just the being able to have more time allows you to be more conscious about what you're doing. And that in turn can, can mean saving a lot of cash um, and not really have any drastic lifestyle change. Also, you know, other parts of the country are just not as expensive, which is, you know, helpful as well. I've never seen gas under $3. I know what I can remember. Um, and, and like, you know, I, I travel, I've traveled all over, but it's like, now I'm thinking about these things and I'm aware of them and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so much cheaper. But so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it can add up quickly. And the idea is like, it could be another down payment on something. Right. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, that's what I mean. My, uh, my nephew is maybe 20, 25, 26. And, and he's got a, a really high paying job because he's in the San Francisco Bay area, but has chosen yeah. to live in a van, you know, because he's 25 and he can, and doesn't, yeah. you know, his girlfriend doesn't mind, you know, so um, yeah, because they can sure. go Santa Cruz on the weekend and stay there. And, and so imagine if you're making a hundred thousand a year and you're living in a van, that's a lot of money to save, to invest. And, and they're thinking that way. So it's just really cool. It's really, it's great. I, I love to see 
how um, so many young people are learning things that we didn't, we, you know, still I have people my age that have no clue about financial education. So yeah. that does seem to be shifting and it will make your life so much easier to, yeah. to have started now. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I think being in the California bubble a little bit, you can just automatically feel priced out. So it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like an option. Like it was never even a conversation because I mean, for example, my parents own in Culver city. Now they bought that house. I don't know how 15, 20 years ago. And now it's probably, you know, three X what it was. It's just, the numbers are so high that it, you don't engage in the thought because there is not an opportunity. And that's what I think when you move outside of the state, you just understand that it's not all, all like that. And I think that kind of provokes, you know, the idea of like, hey, there is an opportunity out here. I just need to do it somewhere else. Um, and seeing that it, you know, is, is powerful. And I think drives you to actually go learn and capture the information you need to figure it out. Um, so when you said you got a new job, you got a new job recently during this COVID situation? I did, yeah, in December. So I'm like just about wow. a month in. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, um, That's yeah. good to hear that there are, that, that there's jobs. <laughs> yeah, it is good to hear. I mean, I, I don't think uh, we are, uh, you know, I, the workplace that I live in is a bit of a bubble, right? Like, so I went from, uh, you know, I worked for a company for four years. Um, the founders left and started a new company. And that previous company had been acquired by a larger one. So, you know, naturally things change. And so, you know, I got lucky that it was a relatively easy transition. The reality is though, that's not actually always the case. And I, I will say, even in the startup world, um, had I not had previous connections there, I think it's a very competitive market. I mean, many people have been, especially early on, got laid off, which basically, you know, saturated the market of available candidates and there's only so many positions. So, you know, be thankful of that. And, and you know, I got a bit lucky, but I don't think that's necessarily, it. there are opportunities, but, um, you know, it is definitely a little bit harder out there today. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So your first purchase would be in Florida. Where specifically? Yeah. So um, the company that we're talking to is um, around the Cape Coral area in Tampa. Okay. Um, and what they are doing is um, because there's so little inventory on the market, historically what they had done is purchased um, older homes, fix them up, sold them to investors and rented them, but there's just no inventory. So they're actually doing new builds. Mm -hmm. um, and because the prices of homes are increasing, they're actually relatively similar in all in cost, which allows it to be somewhat comparable. Um, and you're getting a new house. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of like unique to the time that we live in. Um, but yes, the opportunity nonetheless, right, presents itself. And so I think, you know, you evaluate that as an individual and say, hey, does this make sense or not? Um, and I think that's, you know, the process that I'm in. And it, it seems, you know, so far so good. You know, having spent time on bigger pockets, you know, there's a lot of people that want to do it themselves. They want to buy the old house, get the great deal. 
fix it up themselves and, you know, be proud of that and, and make the upside. Um, not everyone can do that. Not everyone's got the time or the energy or the know-how to pull that off. When I started, um, you know, that's, that's our story. Rich and I flew to Dallas and bought five brand new homes that were basically retail price. You know, they were cheap to us because they were 120 to 150,000 each back then. But for Dallas prices at the time, that was retail. So people thought we were crazy who were locals. They're like, why would you not buy, you know, a home at a discount? Well, for me being out of state, it's new, (laughs) you know, it's going to have a lot less problems. It's brand new. I'm going to be living in California. I'm not going to be able to see it every day. So I liked that idea, even though local experienced investors thought it was, you know, not that savvy, but because we knew where we were, we knew the demographic shifts that were happening, sure. that it wasn't going to be $140,000 for long. And sure enough, now, 10 years later, well, now it's 15 years later, um, but but within 10 years, they they doubled and even tripled in value. I kind of see that opportunity where you're talking right now because, yeah, right? I mean, it's so totally. cheap still. What What's the purchase price? Yeah, anywhere from like 225 to 300 is the very high end. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's not going to last forever, you know, and especially when we know that there's so much money being printed, unprecedented, that drives inflation, at least historically. So just from that alone and low interest rates and the demand and the demographics, um, yeah, most most likely we're going to see an increase. But even if not, even if values didn't go off, you got someone else paying off your debt for you and you get tax benefits that offset some of that income you're making. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's interesting too to see as like COVID has really changed the dynamic of the working world, especially in like the technology industry is people are realizing that they can live somewhere else and enjoy a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have been like, oh, I'm moving to Austin or I'm, we're looking here. And um, it's, I would be, you know, compelled to tell you that there's probably going to be a large number of people moving, you know, to the East Coast. And Florida is a really, like, the weather is incredible. You get a lot of space. The everything is bigger, right? And if that's <laughs> important to you, um, right? Uh, like, I would imagine that people now have more fluidity in their life and can can move to a place like that, which you know, I imagine would ultimately drive some of that up as well. Yeah, there's a lot of talk that the cities will come back and they probably will. My, you know, my question is, I, I, I would like you was, I went to San Francisco state. I lived downtown. I worked in the, you know, as a, as a cocktail waitress downtown. I mean, it was was really (laughs) fun. I loved it. I loved it. But then, you know, I, I was, when I was done with it, I was done with it. I was married and had children. I didn't need all of that. So, you know, it does seem like as millennials are growing up and, and getting to a point where sure the downtown life is fun, but is it worth all of that where you're living in a tiny space and you and you can't even at this point take advantage of, of what a city offers you? Whereas where you are now, you've got a beach at least, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, I mean, it almost is like a forced lifestyle change as well. Like, you know, we, San Francisco is appealing because it's very social. There's a lot of people and ideas and interesting stuff going on. And that involves like nightlife as well. And I think 
part of the forced transition is like, I don't uh, go out very much anymore mm -hmm. and, and that's okay, but I've actually readjusted what I use that energy to do. And I don't necessarily know that when things do open up that those same things will appeal to me, right? Um, now that doesn't mean they won't appeal to a different set of people, but for me personally, it's not like I will be drawn to come back. The one thing I do miss is working in an office in San Francisco and I, I enjoyed that. But I think that's relatively unique to me. Most people I talk to like, I love working from home. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I've adjusted to it, but I miss that. But I, I'd say outside of that, right? The city doesn't have the draw anymore because I just care about different things, right? And I think this is like expedited that timeline for a lot of people potentially in my age range. Yeah, that, that'll be really interesting to, to see. So if today your employer said, all right, we're opening the office back up and you can come back or you can work virtually, which one would you choose? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, no, I, I would stay virtually for the time. Um, mm -hmm. I, candidly, I'm just having fun right now, exploring <laughs> different parts of the US. Sure. Um, I would imagine living out of, out of a suitcase um, would get old, but you know, for now it's still exciting and fun. And, and until I don't feel that spark anymore, then, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it. And, and that, it seems to be pretty casual for the most part in terms of companies saying, Hey, you can come back if you want, when we do open. Um, but at least that's been our take on it. And would you say that you are as effective as a worker for your company, um, working virtually? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say not, it's, it's definitely more difficult. And I would, one of the really hard things is as a new employee ramping into a new company, mm -hmm. like one of the most critical things is being able to sit down or grab someone and say, Hey, can you explain this concept to me? Yes. And can you explain it to me right now? Cause I just saw you passing where, <laughs> you know, now I will slack someone. And by the time they message me back, I'm already in a different, I'm thinking about something else, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's funny at the end of the days, sometimes I'm like exhausted. And I, th I think a lot of it is because you're context switching and you're, you're context switching more than you would. And that takes a lot of energy and brain power. Um, so it's definitely, uh, you know, we're a very collaborative company. I think a lot of startups are, and you have to be because we're solving problems that can be difficult and it doesn't take one person. It takes many. Um, but you can still do it, um, you know, and do it effectively. It, it's a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. So if your employer said we have offices in Austin, um, in Florida or San Francisco, you can choose, what would you do? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably uh, rent a month in each and then say, see which one I like the best. Okay. Um, and I would probably leave San Francisco for last. I know what that's like. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's really exciting that you can, again, be exploring the world, not having to choose to settle down and yet at the same time, build your real estate portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definitely unique opportunity, opportunity in time. So um, yeah. we're, I'm thankful for it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, what the next year brings and um, kind of take it as it comes. <laughs> Wonderful. Good. Well, we'll check in with you in a year and see how you're doing, how much you've, uh, you know, invested and in, in where. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for sharing your, your real world millennial 
Are you a millennial? No. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Okay. I'm born so. in 91. So we could look that up after. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing real world millennial lifestyle with us, with you us uh, baby boomers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can get access to over 500 educational webinars on our website at realwealthshow.com. They're all free to watch once you join and it's free to join. So what do you have to lose? And while you're there, you'll also see a tab under the invest tab that shows you the top 15 cities or metro areas where we think there's high demographic shifts and job growth and yet very affordable housing that makes a great opportunity for high cash flow today and potential appreciation in the future so that you can travel the world while also building your portfolio. Again, you can do that at realwealthshow.com.